From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. With this week's show, we begin our 14th year of Straight Talk. Thank you so much for supporting us all these years. In this episode, a growing crisis in the long-term care industry. Oregon's population of people 75 and older is projected to grow by 10% by the year 2030. At the same time, the senior care industry in Oregon and the nation is facing what's been called the most challenging time it's ever faced. Senior advocates say workforce shortages, regulatory reform, and underfunded Medicaid rates could potentially threaten senior care. In this episode of Straight Talk, we explore those threats and what they mean to more than a million people in Oregon and Washington who are now 65 and over, and what leaders in the industry are doing to tackle those challenges. Our guests are Phil Fogg. Phil is a nationally recognized advocate for seniors and is the founder of his senior healthcare provider, Marquee Companies. He was also recently selected as board chair of the American Healthcare Association. Also joining us, Philip Bentley. He is the president and chief executive officer of the Oregon Healthcare Association, which is the largest long-term care association in the state. And joining us in our next segment, Tracy Berg. Tracy is the social services director for Marquee Hope Village's post-acute rehab in Canby. She'll give us a boots on the ground perspective later. First, welcome to my guests, Phil Fogg and Phil Bentley. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's nice to have you both here today. Nice to be here. Nice to be with you, Laurel. Let's start with Phil Fogg. How would you describe what the industry is going through right now? How, how bad is it? Well, you, you have to, I make it analogous to, to actually a war. We've been fighting a, a global pandemic that's literally targeted the population of people that we serve for two years. And so we've got direct care staff and leaders who have been on the front lines of this battle for two long years. And they've truly been really the unrecognized heroes of uh, this whole COVID experience. And uh, when you ask, what is it like right now? The, the recent Omicron uh, variant is just, you know, adding to that pressure right when they thought maybe they were gonna get off that, the front lines. And Phil Bentley, you head up the largest long-term care association in the state. The Oregon Health Care Association represents 95% of providers. How would you describe what you see happening in the industry right now from a, a statewide perspective? Well, I think as Phil said that, you know, if you told us two years ago, we'd still be facing uh, a wave like we have today, a surge of, of a variant um, two years later, I don't think uh, anybody would have believed it. I think it's it's been the constant not knowing where the light at the end of the tunnel is that has been really challenging for a lot of our caregivers, a lot of our residents and and their families. And um, you know through the through the last couple of years, we've been through a lot together. We've done uh, some amazing work uh, in adjusting how we've responded to uh, the challenges that the pandemic has presented. And I know Phil and I were so encouraged when the vaccines rolled out uh, the beginning of last year, and we thought we were potentially at the end of it. And yet here we are starting a new year uh, in the midst of a surge. And it's just presented a number of challenges uh, along the way, and, and those really do continue today. And Phil Bentley, is that having an impact on senior care in Oregon? 
Well, certainly uh, the pandemic is having an impact on senior care. It's changed a lot of the ways that we can provide care at different times throughout the pandemic, whether it was restrictions on visitors, uh, the way that we deliver meals uh, you know, individually rather than congregate settings. But I think also more importantly, because of the workforce crisis that we're facing uh, and just the escalation and the cost of care, we are starting to see uh, changes in access to care. We have providers who are really on the brink financially uh, and are potentially not going to be able to uh, see it to the end. And uh, I have members you know, just recently who have shared with me that they're gonna have to close their doors uh, on the North Coast. And so in communities like that, where there are not a lot of alternatives and not a lot of opportunities for seniors to receive long-term care, that can have a huge impact on, on those seniors in those communities. So the pandemic's had a huge impact, but Phil Fogg, what other factors have led to a crisis in the industry? Well, I think if you put perspective on this uh, in, in the initial COVID uh, outbreak, um, in long-term care facilities, uh, while our rates of infection were the same as the community, um, our deaths were much higher. Um, again, because of the at-risk population of people that we serve. And, uh, but then the vaccine came and we got all of our staff and all of our residents uh, vaccinated. And it was just the, the biggest blessing that could have ever happened. And now we go through Delta and the community rates are here, but the facility rates are here and mortality is almost nothing. And, and it's also now with Omicron, you know, we're sitting at 92% plus resident vaccination and 70% uh, boosted residents. And our staff are over 90% vaccinated. And now you've got an environment, and I, I know this will sound amazing to people, but the long-term care facility may be one of the safest environments because of the high vaccination rate re relative to the community. When we talk about the impact on the workforce, let's take a look at a couple of stats. And this is according to a survey done by Morning Consult. It found nearly one in five, 18% of healthcare workers have quit their jobs. Another 31% have considered leaving and 79% of healthcare professionals say the national worker shortage has affected them and their place of work. So let's talk about those workforce challenges, Phil Fogg. Your company, Marquee, runs 28 facilities in Oregon, California, and Nevada, including post-acute rehab, long-term care, assisted living, and memory care. What impact has the pandemic and all those things we just talked about had on your facility's staff? Number one, it's it, we've, we've been talking about it, but it's just the fatigue. It, it's the COVID fatigue of having to deal with um, how, you know, the requirements of PPE, all of the testing requirements, all the quarantining. Um, and then you get the dedicated staff that stay and fight the fight, and, uh, but, but others don't. And that just puts more pressure on the people um, that have remained. And so I, I would probably say that that um, that pressure has been uh, the, the biggest impact to the staff uh, that we serve. And doesn't it make it tough for you too because there's a severe shortage of healthcare professionals, burnout also at our hospitals and other medical centers. That's gotta make the competition for staff even tougher, Phil Fogg. It really does. You know, I think overall in the marketplace, you'll hear varying numbers, but three to 5 million people have left the, the workforce across all sectors. Um, but but healthcare has certainly been hit the hardest. And what it does is it reduces the supply of workforce, whether it's a nurse or a therapist or a social services person or whatever role somebody might be in. 
and that and that supply reduction creates a supply and demand issue that drives a lot of negative consequences. Phil Bentley, what are you saying on a statewide level? Yeah, well, I think that what we're seeing statewide is similar to what Phil's saying at Marquee. Uh, the fatigue is out there, uh, competition for staff with not just the healthcare sector, but because there's a workforce uh, shortage across many sectors, workers have other options where they can go and make a similar living uh, in retail or uh, some other you know, food service. Uh, we've seen a, a lot of wage inflation you know, throughout the economy, and um, that's also hitting our members. Our members have tried to, to the best of their ability, react to the workforce crisis through various initiatives, through raising wages, providing bonuses and incentives. And we've been, you know, we've been engaged with the legislature and the state around some of the, some initiatives and programs that we think could help alleviate the workforce crisis. But we are dealing with a, a global macro uh, economic environment, and it's really hard to, um, to to get ahead of it. And it seems like uh, just when we we feel like things are maybe heading in a better direction, uh, things shift on us, and we've got another challenge in front of us. And um, you know, it's hard to, as I said, get a, get ahead of it. And we'll talk more about the legislative piece in just a moment. But Phil Fogg, what do you think can be done to take some of the pressure off frontline workers? Well, we've, we've got to get the supply back, and that would be the people that are currently licensed in roles. We need them to come back to the workforce. Um, and then uh, and, and the other way we'd increase supply is by getting processing out-of-state licenses faster, getting HB1 visas. Uh, process from an immigration standpoint. Um, there's longer term ways to solve supply. Um, but, uh, but you know, frankly, Laurel, I think it starts with we've got to we've got to see this end. We've we've got to see this become at least endemic, start treating the future variants like the flu. When that day happens and some of the challenges that create a less than ideal work environment for either hospitals or long term care, I think that that begins the recovery. And I, I, the only other thing I would like to add is I have to tell you that the state of Oregon, whether it's been the governor, the agencies, uh, Phil Bentley and our trade association, the providers, I think on a national level, we've responded probably one of the best across the, uh, uh, probably the best state of any in the nation. And Phil Bentley, let's talk about that. How has Oregon done compared to the, the rest of the country when it comes to long-term care? in the pandemic well i mean you know it's 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 very hard uh to talk about sometimes when you look at uh some of the outcomes that we had early on but i think if you look at the statistics uh of where oregon sits nationally and the we have one of the lowest mortality rates in the country per capita and given that our sector was one of the hardest hit uh i think that it's fair to say that a lot of the efforts that our members took were contributing factors to making sure that Oregon was successful. I think Oregonians also deserve a lot of credit for that. Our residents and our frontline caregivers deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, but I think we can say with confidence that um, Oregonians' lives have been saved by the efforts that the state and, and our members have taken over the last two years. And Phil Bentley, the legislature's short session begins next month. You referred to this. What legislation specifically are you advocating for to address some of these threats to health care workers and the resulting staffing shortage? 
Yeah, well, you know, the legislature came in in 2021 and they they enacted a number of initiatives that we thought at the time would be very helpful to help providers and they were. But as we've talked about, this thing just keeps evolving and the workforce crisis has even has deepened even further since uh, 2021 session. And what we're seeing now, what we've seen in the last say six to eight months is a proliferation of staffing, temporary staffing agencies. Uh, providers are pretty much dependent right now on getting their buildings staffed with a temporary staffing agency personnel. And that has snowballed in a way, in, in a manner where the cost of that temporary staff is, is just gone astronomically high. And uh, frankly, that's one of the contributing factors to some of our members not really being able to continue to provide services in certain parts of the state. So we're pursuing legislation this uh, coming session that will prov hopefully provide some sideboards around that temporary staffing agency uh, dynamic that will try to bring some balance to the market forces that are completely out of whack right now. Uh, we're looking for those staffing agencies to, to basically be registered uh, with the state and, and have some basic accountability and then also to um, constrain the amount of hyperinflationary costs that they can they can charge uh, to some of our members and other healthcare providers. Uh, the other item that we're gonna be talking to the legislature about is to continue to support Medicaid rates. Uh, basically, our members are dependent on how much they receive from Medicare and Medicaid in large part. And the uh, increases that the legislature passed in Medicaid in 2021, frankly, just aren't enough to keep pace with the rising costs of care. And so we're gonna be asking them to continue to make some further adjustments in Medicaid rates. I want to let Phil Fogg comment on that, if that you think that will help. And also, if you would comment now that you're the new board chair of the American Healthcare Association, the organization includes 14,000 skilled nursing facilities all across the country. What policy changes are you pushing for on the national level? Well, we've tried to be very proactive in uh, really uh, recommending different reform programs. Worked very closely actually with Senator Wyden as chair of Senate Finance on these initiatives, but um, advocating for increased, if not full-time infection preventionist nurses and facilities, increased RN uh, time. We also need an investment in infrastructure and the facilities for the future to improve air exchange uh, systems. We think that's been one of the challenges in battling COVID. And then uh, increasing the private room uh, mix in facilities so that you don't have two bed or three bed uh, units would also reduce that risk. So those are kind of the big picture national initiatives beyond just the workforce initiatives where we've got to turn this workforce shortage into a national crisis. If we don't, we will not be capable of meeting the boomer needs in the next five or six years as they kind of flood the, the healthcare delivery system. And you've also mentioned something about uh, requiring nursing professors, maybe not requiring them to have PhDs. How would that help? Yeah, when you talk about how do you increase supply, um, increasing the capacity in the education systems is one of the ways that you do that. Um, that PhD requirement, uh, oftentimes the inability to hire a PhD limits the capacity in those nursing programs. And so looking at whether it's uh, in, in any environment where you don't unintentionally create bottlenecks to capacity. Well, thank you, Phil and Phil. In our next segment, Tracy Berg joins us. She is a social services director at a marquee facility and very much involved with staff, patients, and their families. She gives us a firsthand look at what's happening in the senior care industry from a boots on the ground perspective.
We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. You've heard about the healthcare industry's labor shortage. It's also having a severe impact on long-term care in Oregon and across the country. We're talking about the crisis and possible solutions with Phil Fogg, founder, president, and CEO of Marquee Companies, and Philip Bentley, CEO of the Oregon Healthcare Association. And joining us now, Tracy Berg, the social services director for Marquee Hope Villages post-acute rehab in Canby. She brings us the healthcare provider's perspective. Thank you all again for being here. And, and let's begin with Tracy just joining us. Tell us a little bit about what you do as the social services director at Marquee. Thanks for having me, Laurel. Uh, social services is kind of a catch-all name, but I work a lot with the day-to-day non-medical care of both our short-term and our long-term residents here. So post-acute rehab is also known as a skilled nursing facility. We've got short-term short folks and then long-term folks, and I work with all of them. Well, give us an insider's perspective on what you see happening right now with healthcare workers and the impact it's having on the care and the atmosphere that you're trying to provide. Well, we're two years into what we thought would be a two-week pandemic. And at this point, nobody's banging pots at shift change or putting out healthcare hero signs anymore. So it's kind of up to us to keep the momentum towards healing going, but we're still here. We're still showing up every day. We're dealing with federal, state, county regulations. We're dealing with different variants. We're still here. We're still providing care and we are showing up every day to take care of our patients here. We did not think, uh, like Phil said earlier, we'd still be here two years later, but here we are and we are just moving and changing every day. What do you and your colleagues like about your jobs? What kind of gratification do you and others in your field get from this work, which must be very difficult at times? It absolutely can be difficult. Just like any other job, you have days that are really tough, but the difference with healthcare is you actually get to see in a tangible way the difference that your work is making every single day. I remember when I was having a particularly tough day pretty early on in the pandemic and was just feeling really burnt out that day. And when I went to clock out, I noticed a resident's phone was plugged into charge in the back by the time clock. And the picture on her lock screen was a picture of her and me, actually, um, from a time that we did an event together. And just that little glimpse of the fact that that was so meaningful to her, I just left the building feeling totally rejuvenated and re-energized to come back the next day. All it takes is that little moment of knowing the difference that you're making in someone's life, and it just fills your cup back up. It's incredible. That warms your heart. Uh, Phil Fogg, what more can be done to recruit and retain people you know, like Tracy and other healthcare workers? What kinds of incentives can you offer? Well, right now, the key is uh, the, the, the workforce shortages are causing very rapid inflation in wages. So you just got to remain competitive in the marketplace to just start with. Um, and uh, but really it's creating an environment that people want to work in. And uh, um, all, there's a lot of gimmicks out there. There's a lot of things that, that people are trying with hiring bonuses and different things. And, and of course you need to stay competitive. But as Tracy said, the great thing about what we do as opposed to other 
professions is that we get to make a difference in people's lives. And that's really unique. It's different than if you were in the restaurant business with all due respect to restaurants or other things. Um, every single day we get to make a difference in people's life and the meaning and purpose that that can create is, uh, is a value that you just you couldn't understand unless you're there. So one of our goals is to help people understand how important that is and how valuable that can be and the rewards of that. Well, I want to talk to both both Phil's about this because Phil Bentley, you mentioned earlier about some of the healthcare workers are going to other fields like food service or retail, which don't typically pay a lot. What about you know raising the wages so that they they want to stay in the healthcare field? Are the wages high enough uh, across the board? Let me start with uh, Phil Bentley. Well, I think that there's always room to improve uh, the financials of the long-term care sector. I think we've always um, been challenged due to our reimbursement system to compete within the healthcare uh, space, um, but we have made great strides over the last uh, couple of years. We've seen significant investments um, that were directly tied to uh, wages, uh, particularly for frontline caregivers, the legislature, uh, provided a financial incentive in 2021 that set a, a minimum floor for what a new starting caregiver or CNA at a nursing facility can receive. So they've uh, tried to move the ball forward in investing in directly in caregivers. And I think we need to continue that work and make sure that as uh, Phil said, that they can continue to be competitive in the work in the marketplace. Uh, through our reimbursement systems, primarily through Medicare and Medicaid. Well, Phil, let me just um, ask we you, also, can I jump in here? What yeah. is that minimum floor? Uh, so in a nursing facility to receive the incentive, a, a new CNA has to start at no less than $17 an hour. And in an assisted living, it's no less than $15 an hour as a starting wage. Uh, and what we've seen uh, is that um, those amounts are being easily surpassed now because of the the wage inflation that we've experienced over the last six to 12 months. Uh, and those um, benchmarks are also scheduled to increase uh, on July 1st of, of this year to 1515, 1750. I wanted to just check in real quick before a final thought from everybody on Tracy, you're taking advantage of some continuing education that you see as an incentive. With Marquee, if you've never been a certified nursing assistant or work in healthcare, you can come here and you can take the class and have those skills and then do what you want with them. Um, or if you're already a CNA and you wanna become a registered nurse, Marquee will help you take those next steps. For me, I'm not on the medical side, but I love working in healthcare. So Marquee encouraged me to go back to school and they're helping me get a master's of social work with an emphasis in gerontology. So I can just keep helping our patients who are already here and making some waves in the future of healthcare. And just a, a few seconds, uh, what would you like to leave with viewers, Tracy? Healthcare can be really challenging, but it can fill your cup up so, so much. If you're looking for a career that will always have openings and always have room for upward movement and growth, this is the spot for you. And just 30 seconds, uh, Phil Bentley. Well, I think out of the hardship that we've experienced over the last couple of years, there's also, I think, some opportunities here. I think long-term care is getting a focus like it's never received. And I think there's, I actually think there's an opportunity for us to be stronger uh, a couple of years from now than we are today and would have been, uh, but for the pandemic. I think that there's, there's a whole host of opportunities here to, to move the sector forward. And uh, about 35 to 40 seconds for, 
for Phil, our, our second Phil, Phil Fogg. Thank you. You know, I, the only thing that that I would add is uh, this profession has been knocked back by the pandemic. There's there's no question about it. But the resilience that it would create um, is going to make us stronger in the future. I think that all of us in this profession are going to look back at the choices that we made over the last two years with incredible pride because the the, the millions of people in this profession that have done incredible things is, is just unbelievable. But we also make, need to get ready for the future because as I said, this boomer population, this demographic of people will overwhelm our healthcare system if we don't start making the investments and doing the things we do now, in spite of the fact that we've all gotten knocked back a little bit. Um, if we don't do it, we're going to be facing other problems. Hey, I have future. to cut you off there. I'm sorry, Phil and Phil and Tracy. Thanks for joining us. Join us next week for Straight Talk when my guest is the retiring Congressman Peter DeFazio. We hope you have a great week. See you next week for Straight Talk.